Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love his presence. I love his presence. His presence is beautiful. His presence is holy. I love it. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Numbers chapter 4. Numbers chapter 4. Amen. We're so honored to have everyone here tonight. So good to have Brother Steve Kovach with us tonight. God bless Brother Steve Kovach. Amen. We love the Kovach family very much. Uh, member of this great congregation for a long time. Served in so many capacities. And we sure do miss he and his wonderful family. And uh, look forward to any time we get to spend with them. Amen. And extended member. Uh, First Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord. Numbers chapter 4 and verse 15. Numbers chapter 4 and verse 15. The word of the Lord says this. When Aaron and his sons have made an end of covering the sanctuary and all the vessels of the sanctuary, as the camp is to set forward, After that, the sons of Kohath shall come to bear it. But they shall not touch any holy thing, lest they die. These things are the burden of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of the congregation. These things are the burden of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of the congregation. I want to preach for just a few moments this evening on the subject, the glorious burden. The glorious burden. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, we love you tonight, and we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word. Your presence, oh God, is rich and real. Oh, I feel your presence all around us. I feel your presence all around us, Lord. I feel your presence all around us, Lord. Have your way, mighty God. Lord, encourage and lift up, strengthen. Oh, I praise your name. I pray, Lord, for an anointing upon the preaching of the word of God. An anointing upon your people. Oh, God, this is your church, your body, your bride. We humble ourselves before you. We surrender to you. We submit ourselves unto you, and we praise and worship your mighty name. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Thank you again for being here tonight. And thank you so much for... uh, Standing and praising the Lord and being a part of this wonderful service. Amen. I believe God has some great things in store for First Apostolic Church. 
Amen. And this is a year of this is a year of great outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Year of great miracles. Amen. I want to draw your attention to this uh, verse of scripture that we have read this evening that speaks concerning one of the most amazing uh, matters of the Bible, and that is the matter of the tabernacle of God in the wilderness. The miracle of the tabernacle in the Bible is one of the most amazing things that you can read about. First of all, uh, you have to understand what went on in that tabernacle. Uh, and very simply, it was an opportunity for man to find atonement for his sins. Now, this was huge. This was amazing. And uh, I, sometimes we take it for granted because here we are, sweetly broken, wholly surrendered. To the cross we run. And, and to the cross we bow. And we lay our burdens down at the foot of the cross. And so we do it so frequently and so often that sometimes we forget how beautiful an opportunity that has been afforded to us by God. That we can, that we can simply lay our burdens down. Lay our sins down. Old things passed away. All things become new. New creature in Christ Jesus. Baptized in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Turned from our wicked ways. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Speaking in other tongues. Hey, before you take it for granted, you need to thank God again for a glorious plan of salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before you get to thinking or get into the mindset of thinking it's just uh, week in, week out, come to church, go to church, do your thing, and you forget about the fact that God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. You know, God who needs nothing. God who has, has no responsibility to anybody. God so loved the world. Hallelujah. What a, what a, what a beautiful thing to be able to say, I'm saved by the grace of God through faith. What a beautiful thing to be able to say that he made a way for you and I to be saved from our sins. Sins that most assuredly doomed us to a devil's hell. And through the love of God and by the power of God and through the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and an empty grave to verify that he rose from the dead. Woo, hallelujah. We can be saved. 
I'm sorry, I'll never stop shouting about it, and I'll never stop preaching about it, and I'll never stop singing about it. It is glorious. It is wonderful. It is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, if we would praise God for it, more people would be filled with the Holy Ghost. If we would worship God for it, more people would be baptized in Jesus' name. Let's not be ashamed of this gospel. Let's preach this gospel. Let's live this gospel. So we, we're so blessed. But these people in the Old Testament, when there was no hope, when there was no help, when they were without hope in this awful, horrible world, you look at the ancient days and you see the brutality of ancient days brutality that in 2017 d doesn't even compute in our minds the reason that ancient days had such brutality documented throughout the then known world is because the grace of God was in such short supply the fact that we have a humane society today a society that, 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 that for the most part condemns these senseless acts of violence is an amazing thing and is testament to the spreading nature of God's grace in the earth and the fact that it has touched so many minds and hearts of people. And yet the children of Israel, God was going to set them up to be a way that the whole world could See the handiwork of God. They were chosen. You understand that? They were the chosen people. Anybody ever referred to the Jewish people as the chosen people of God? They were not simply chosen because God had favor on them and nobody else. They were chosen because God handpicked them to set the example for the whole world to look in on. And they were going to go through struggles the likes of which we can't even fathom. Generation after generation after generation was going to struggle through life, struggle through turmoil, struggle through persecution. There is no nation that has been as persecuted as the Jewish people. Generation after generation after generation. And the devil came at them with all of his force and all of his might. And yet here they stand to this day receiving the promises of God. Do you know how many dictators have vowed to annihilate these people? Do you know how many tyrants have stood up and said that these people are going to be wiped off the face of the earth? But the promise of God standeth sure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and listen, do you know how long they went without a, a, a homeland to lay claim to? To practice their faith in? They would take their faith with them. They would, they would worship God in the confines of their homes. Their faith was outlawed in so many nations. They were persecuted in the nations where they lived. They were scattered throughout the earth. And, and they were outlawed and they were banned and they were killed and they were slaughtered. And yet God kept bringing them into the promises that he gave unto their fathers. And so God was going to set the children of Israel up as an example for the whole world. You see little examples of this. This is why God parted the Red Sea. 
if, if Pharaoh and his armies would have allowed them to cross over and not gone after them, Pharaoh and his armies would still be alive today. Not today, but a little longer than they were. <laughs> a little longer than they were. And Pharaoh and his armies decided through the hardness of their heart that they would go in after them and the waters collapsed on top of them. But God was willing to let the nations of the earth witness the handiwork of God and give him glory. You see an example of this with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a, a, a sworn enemy of the Israelites until he began to see the handiwork of God. When he saw Daniel delivered out of the lion's den. And when he, when he saw rather the three Hebrew children delivered from the fiery furnace. And he heard Daniel's interpretation of his dream. He saw the handiwork of God at work in the lives of the children of Israel. And the end of Nebuchadnezzar's life, he's glorifying the God of Israel. So God was going to establish the nations of Israel, the tribes of Israel, as a gateway through which the rest of the world would be able to enter into the promises of God. This is why when you look at the New Jerusalem, the gates are of the 12 tribes of Israel. The names of the tribes of Israel are inscribed upon the gates of the New Jerusalem because it is through the nation of Israel that the whole world can have access to God. This is, why, this is why Jesus Christ came out of the tribe of Judah. Because it was going to be through Israel and through their understanding of God that we would understand the Messiah. And it all started with this development of the tabernacle plan. God called Moses into the holy mountain and gave him a plan. And this plan resulted in... The atonement of the sins of the children of Israel. For a year, their sins would be atoned. Their sins would be deferred. And so, when you see the high priest walk into the tabernacle, and he offers the uh, sacrifice in the outer court at the, at the uh, brazen altar, and then he washes at the brazen laver, and then he enters the inner court and he eats of the table of showbread that has upon it light shining from the seven golden candlesticks. And he moves on through the inner court into the altar of incense and he begins to offer incense unto the Lord. And then he moves in beyond the altar of incense into the holiest of all places. And when he gets into the holiest of all places, this miraculous glory of God, ladies and gentlemen, he brings with him the blood of the original sacrifice into that holiest of all places. And when he enters into that holiest of all places, the holy of holies. Woo, I'm talking about holy, folks. Hallelujah. I'm talking about real, real, real holiness. The holy of holies. He walks into the holy of of holies and when he gets into the holy of holies there stands the ark of God's covenant hallelujah and inside of it are the ten commandments and inside of it is Aaron's rod that did bud and inside of it is the pot of manna and and it's got the cherubims made of solid gold and they're looking at at uh, at mercy and there are their wings are stretched out 
touching one another with their wings and their faces directed at the mercy seat. And the glory of God, the fire of God, descends from heaven and consumes the blood, hallelujah, that the priest brings unto the Lord. And the sins of the people have one more time, one more time been atoned. It was a plan that was given by God to the prophet Moses in the holy mountain. A plan that was reflective of heavenly things, divine things. When Moses was in that mountain, God said, Moses, I'm going to show you a pattern of heavenly things. And this is going to be a pattern that you establish upon the earth. And it's going to be the way that a sinner man and a sinner woman and a sinful nation can find their sins atoned by the blood of the Lamb. And it's going to be a heavenly pattern, and it's going to be a message of things to come because Jesus Christ was going to come onto the scene. And He is the Lamb that the priest would bring into the tabernacle. He was the lamb that was slain. Hallelujah. He was the lamb that was buried. He was the lamb that rose from the dead. That showbread that the priest ate up is the word of God. That light that came from the golden candlesticks is the revelation and enlightenment of God upon his word. That altar of incense is praise that we send up unto the Lord. Hey, we're not doing this out of tradition we're not doing this out of ceremony we're not doing this because we're Pentecostal and that's what we do this is a pattern of heavenly things when you offer that incense unto the Lord it ascends into the heavens it moves past this earthly barrier it breaks through the stratosphere and it ascends into the nostrils of God as a sweet smelling savor and God receives our it's a holy thing it's a glorious thing it's a heavenly thing oh I know you're still trying to shake off your weekend blues I know you're dreading Monday morning tomorrow's President's Day some of you don't have as rough a day but don't you forget that what we're doing is holy what we're doing is heavenly. What we're doing is supernatural. This thing has power in it. This praise has power in it. We're not putting on a show. This is powerful praise. Hallelujah. When I open Hatamoshaya, this holy Bible, this isn't just a Bible. This is a holy Bible. When I open this holy Bible, these words pop off the pages. These words, hallelujah, dance before us as a visual of the power and the glory of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Woo. Moses, this is the pattern. Don't deviate from it. What if we were Moses? What liberties would we have taken with the pattern? Don't sidestep it because it's not popular. Don't water it down because somebody disagrees with it. What would we have done if we had been Moses? If people resisted the way we did it. You know people didn't like the way Moses set that thing up. 
You know, when God set up the tabernacle in the wilderness, understand, folks, it was not like the Taj Mahal. Now, here's what's crazy. On the inside, whoo, it was a real eye stopper. I mean, it was, I mean, people would look at what was happening on the inside of that tabernacle. It was a golden altar. There was a golden uh, candlestick, golden altar of, of incense, golden table of showbread. Even on the outer court, there was brazen labor and a brazen altar. In the Holy of Holies, that Ark of the Covenant was simply splendid, overlaid with pure gold. Cherubims of fine gold, solid gold. It was beautiful, and, and there was purple. You couldn't come across purple very easily back in those days. But there were tapestries inside the tabernacle, inside the inner court, inside the Holy of Holies. And then, on the outside of it, there was a bunch of badger skins. You, you, don't you know people had a problem with that? Why are we putting all the pretty stuff where nobody can see it? And all the, all the mundane, mediocre stuff where everybody can see it. But it was, a, it was a pattern of heavenly things. You see, the most beautiful stuff in God, you can't see with the naked eye. Hallelujah. That, ladies and gentlemen, that's why we don't decorate our natural bodies. That's why we don't go to extents to, 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 to create ornamentation for our natural bodies. Because the ornamentation of a child of God is the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit. It's a heart of pure gold. Hallelujah. It's not about trinkets. It's not about, it's not about trying to dress to impress. It's about being holy before the Lord because he's holy. It's about coming before his presence with sin. It's about being humble before him. Walking humbly with him. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this tabernacle, folks, was a, it was an amazing thing. That the children of Israel, the high priest would prepare himself, purify himself, go through very rigid processes of of cleanliness so that he because he was representing something bigger than himself and he understood that when he was anointed by God to do this work of the priesthood he was coming under a burden ladies and gentlemen it wasn't something you entered into lighthearted. It wasn't something that you did because you had nothing better to do or that you wanted folks to look upon you with a certain level of respect. No, sir. No, ma'am. You had to live a certain way. You had to walk a certain way. You had to become acceptable before the Lord. It was much more difficult to become a priest than it is to be a preacher. We'd all be disqualified if we had to live up to their standards. They couldn't have one blemish on their body. And they would walk into that holy of holies. And folks, they had better gone through the cleansing process or they could die. Because they represented something bigger than themselves. Now you know where I'm going with this. I'm just going to cut to the chase. You are a chosen generation. You are a holy nation. You and you and you and you. All of you are a royal priesthood. Called out of darkness. Into this marvelous light. To show forth his praise. Now listen, 
You might not like it, and you might feel put out by it, but God has called you, and you represent something bigger than yourself. You represent a gateway to this world through which they can enter the new Jerusalem through your struggles, through your example, through your faithfulness, through your prayers, through your worship. Can God trust you with the call of God? Can God trust you, hallelujah, with an anointing? Can God trust you? Or do you love this world too much? Or do you love the temporary stuff, all of which will fade away? All of this junk that you've fallen in love with, it's going to fade away. It's going to burn in the fire. But what God has called you to is going to stand forever. Oh, I know it's not easy, and I know it doesn't appeal to your flesh, and I know it's a burden, but oh, what a glorious burden it is. What a glorious burden it is. Nowhere in the world. Did anybody understand what Moses understood? Moses sets up a tabernacle in the wilderness. Brazen altar. Brazen labor. On the outer court. The inner court. Hallelujah. Table of showbread. Seven golden candlesticks. Altar of incense. It's actually a complete reflection of what heaven is going to look like. You see all of those pieces of furniture in the new Jerusalem with the exception of the brazen altar because he entered once into the holy place he died and was a perpetual sacrifice for sin when you get to the new Jerusalem you're not going to need another Calvary you're not going to need another crucifixion it's life forevermore it's life, life, life life, life life forevermore Moses, there's no place in the world that has this opportunity. And Moses sets it up for the children of Israel. And he follows the instructions of God. He's obedient unto the Lord. And he begins to establish the priesthood. Aaron receives the anointing. His sons receive the anointing. I don't have time tonight to go into the details of everything they had to do. But when you get down into the nitty gritty details. Of what these priests had to do. It is showing you the holiness of God. God called them. And anointed them. To show forth his holiness. It was an it was an absolutely unimaginable burden in life to bear in fact the tribe of Levi which was the tribe of the priests that was their lot what I mean is that was their inheritance while the other tribes got big parcels of land and big pieces of land the Levites didn't get a big piece of land a big parcel of land the Levites got this ministry they had to do they got this priesthood they had to fulfill they got all these priestly duties all these priestly responsibilities in fact when people got sick they would come to the priest he had to be like a doctor it was incredible everything that the priest had to do And we read in Numbers chapter 4, 
that when they had made an end of covering the sanctuary, when they had made an end of covering all the vessels of the sanctuary, as the camp is to set forward, that's what you have to understand about the tabernacle, is that the tabernacle was designed in such a way that when the children of Israel had to move on, they could just pick up and move everything with them. They could take it into the next place that God was leading them. This is what they did even through the years of their scattering. They would take God with them wherever they would go. Hallelujah. They would put the menorah on the outside of their home. Didn't matter what state they were in. No matter what country they were in. Those who practiced the faith would enter their homes. Didn't matter what people believed around them. They would, they would touch that menorah and say, Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. Doesn't matter where we're stationed right now. What we're going through right now. Doesn't matter what they're teaching in our schools right now. Doesn't matter what the media is saying right now. Doesn't matter what the trend or what the fad is. Doesn't matter what the cultural shift has become doesn't matter how persecuted we have become here oh Israel wherever you are in the USA in Russia in Finland in Germany in South Africa wherever you are here oh Israel the Lord our God is one Lord take him with you when you go when it was time for the children of Israel to depart one land, go into the next, they would have to pack up that tabernacle and follow the cloud, follow the presence of God. And they would enter and they would take the holy things with them. It was quite a process. You know, here's the scary thing about packing up and moving the tabernacle. If you touch the holy thing, you die. There is this account of Yuza. Who, as the children of Israel are, are bringing the ark of God back. Now listen, they did something interesting. They put that ark on the back of the oxen. Bad mistake. It wasn't supposed to be carried by oxen. It was to be carried by the priests. And they were to put staves into the rings of the holy things. All of those pieces of furniture that I've described. The altars and the tables and that ark of the covenant. All of that was to be have, was to have, have to be in, 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 in crates of, of gold and brass and those staves, a staff, like the staff of Moses. There were rings on the sides of these crates and the stave would go through those rings and the priest would get under the burden of the stave and they would walk the ark of God. Hallelujah. The steady feet of the priests would walk the pieces of furniture that were in the sanctuary. They weren't supposed to be carried by oxen. They were supposed to be carried by priests with staves. And when the oxen came to the threshing floor, the oxen knew what they were supposed to do at the threshing floor. And they picked up their big heavy feet and started pounding the threshing floor even though there was no wheat to thresh. They by instinct began to pound the threshing floor. And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, the oxen shook the cart and when the heart looked like it was going to drop the ark of God's covenant Yuza put his hand up to steady the ark of God and when he steadied the ark of God he dropped dead and I'm going to tell you something it scared David David was there and David was like whoa 
I don't even know if I want to handle that thing. Because you never know if you accidentally touch it or if you reach out and touch it, if you might fall down dead. That's how holy it was. Let me tell you something I've learned in the ministry. This is God's church. And there might be a time or two or three or four where it seems like things get a little unsteady. And it seems like things are going to fall over. And you have this temptation to take your fleshly hands and try to steady God's holy thing. Don't use your fleshly hands to study anything of God's. God is in control. You put the staves through the rings and you put that on your shoulder and you carry the holy things of God with the staves. There needs to be a separation between your flesh and the holy thing of God. Hallelujah. You know what our staves are? Let me, tell you, let me give you an example of a stave that you need. If you're going to handle the holy things of God. And make no mistake about it royal priesthood. Every day you handle holy things. When you open this book you're handling a holy thing. When you teach a Sunday school class you're handling a holy thing. When you stand at that door and you greet souls, I said souls. I don't mean, we call them visitors, we call them guests. God calls them souls. When those souls walk into this building, they haven't come here because they don't have anything better to do. They've come here for their sins to be atoned. They've come here to step into the holy of holies. They've come here because they need a brazen labor and a brazen altar. They need the blood of the lamb. They need the Tired of all. That's why they're here. When you shake their hand, look them in the eye, greet them, welcome them in. That's the holy thing. God bless our youth leaders. God bless our young people. Hallelujah. Every time you go on a youth trip, every time you enter into a worship setting, every time you develop funds and raise monies to reach out and touch somebody, to reach out and bless people, to evangelize our community, to take young people into worship environments where their lives can be changed, where they can hear the word of God, where they can be called into the ministry. It's a holy, holy holy thing and I know it's a burden I do I know it's a burden it is a burden it's hard working for God there's a lot of early mornings and there's a lot of late nights and there's a lot of going out of your way and there's a lot of there's a lot of sleeplessness that goes with it and there's a lot of there's a lot of insults sometimes that you take from people not everybody appreciates you the way God appreciates you and you run into people when they're having the worst day of the week can I get a witness and you know what I'm talking about. That's what happens sometimes when you're carrying the glorious, holy things of God. But don't you be discouraged. It might be a burden, but it's a glorious burden. I said it might be a burden, but it's a holy burden. Woo! Hallelujah. Keep on working till the day is done. Keep on striving until the day is done. Keep on moving. Keep on praying. Keep on worshiping. Continue being faithful. 
You're going to struggle through adversity. You're going to struggle through disappointment. You're going to struggle through challenges. You're going to fight burnout. You're going to deal with stuff at home. You're going to deal with stuff at work. And then you're going to come to church. And you're going to need to just bathe in his glory. And here somebody comes up and says, could you get up under this burden for me? I know it's a burden. But it's, it's a glorious burden. It's a holy thing. It's a holy, holy thing. Let me give you an example of one of these staves. Prayer is a stave. You get your shoulder up under prayer and you can carry the heaviest pieces of God's sanctuary wherever they need to go. Hallelujah. Don't try to do it without the staves. If you put your fleshly hands on this ark, you're going to die. You say, well, Brother Urshan, that was in the days of Yuza. Brother Tenney said the ark wasn't Yuza friendly. <laughs> Amen. No, I've seen a lot of people handle the holy things without the staves of prayer and obedience and the word and submission to the word and they all die. I've seen you just think everything's fine, everything's fine. All of a sudden, they're just dropped dead. They're just gone. Why? Because they weren't carrying it with the staves. They weren't praying. Hallelujah. They weren't focused on the word of God. Let me tell you, you're asking for trouble. Your spirit will dry up faster than you can expect. If you're trying to do holy things with fleshly hands, get your fleshly hands off the holy things. Don't you teach that class without praying. Don't you preach that sermon without praying. Don't you greet folks without praying. You need to be immersed in the presence of Almighty God. He needs to sanctify your perspective again. I said he needs to sanctify your perspective again. Oh, hallelujah. There's no job too small. It's all holy. You may not think it's all that important, all it is is seven golden candlesticks. We can go get some of that at Hobby Lobby. You can't get the holy stuff at Hobby Lobby. You can't get it off of Amazon.com. You can't get the holy things anywhere. There's no merchant in this world that sells the holy things you need to touch God. It's got to be the real stuff. It's got to come from mountains of prayer, mountains of fasting. It's got to come from devotion to God. It's got to be a pattern of heavenly things. It's got to come as a divine revelation of Almighty God. Oh, oh God. I feel like I'm preaching to somebody right now. You're trying to handle holy things. Without staves of prayer and staves of immersion in the word of God. Don't try it. It will kill your soul. You'll start looking at those children that you're teaching and you'll forget how holy this really is. You'll start thinking of all the other stuff you could be doing. You'll start thinking you're wasting your time. 
that you're not making any progress. You'll start looking at your work in the church and you'll think that you're unappreciated. You'll begin to imagine that others don't appreciate what you do. All these imaginations that the enemy will, will pour into your mind and into your spirit. And you'll start looking across the church and criticizing folks over there. That's when you know the devil's got your ear. When you're criticizing your, my God in heaven, your brother and your sister. And you're finding fault in them. You're finding fault in them when you should seek and find him. I said you should seek and find him. You need to feel after him and find him. Because if you can enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. If you can enter into his prayer chamber. Hallelujah. He can purify your heart. Purify your mind. And you'll re-enter the ministry God has called you to do. Young people, I want you to know that God has anointed you right now. God has anointed you right now. I, w I began preaching at a young age. And so many people think that's where my ministry started. No, 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 no. My ministry wasn't birthed on a platform. My ministry wasn't birthed behind a pulpit. I was scared to death of the pulpit. I was stage fright, shy. Didn't want to get up behind a pulpit and preach. I wanted to, wanted to. But I didn't want to at the same time. I was all messed up. I was stage fright and afraid of what people would think. Afraid I wouldn't do it good or do it right. My ministry was out among the people. My ministry was out helping wherever there was help needed. Doing it because it was the work of God. Just helping department heads. Helping teachers. Helping laborers. Whatever was needed. No work was too small. There was no job too insignificant. Little is much when God is in it. It's all holy. It's all leading to people finding God it's all leading to people finding God I recall my grandfather describing that he reached a point in his ministry at Calvary Tabernacle Indianapolis where he just simply was tired burned out And he dreaded, he said, I, I hate to say this, but he said, I dreaded, I dreaded Sundays. He said, I had to preach on the radio in the morning. Then I had to teach Sunday school. Then I had to preach morning worship. And then I had to preach Sunday night and care for all that was in between. And he said, then I had a harvest time broadcast separate from the Calvary broadcast. So he had the Calvary broadcast, he had the Harvest Time broadcast, he had the morning worship, had the Sunday school, had the evening service, and he would counsel people after service. And he said it got to the point where when Sunday would get here, he said, I would dread Sundays. He said, and I prayed unto the Lord, and he said, God, I, this can't be right. Had I dread the very thing you called me to do. He said it all changed on one day as he was driving his car to church and he turned the corner and he saw Calvary Tabernacle ahead of him. And when dread would normally kind of come over his whole being, the Lord spoke to him and said, don't dread another opportunity you have to do my will. Count it all joy 
Enter into these gates with thanksgiving. Enter into these courts with praise. Be thankful unto me and bless my name. Bless my name. Bless my name. I wonder if there's someone here tonight who you have felt taxed by the burden of doing a work for the Lord. Maybe you don't feel you're involved enough and God is calling you into a deeper dimension of serving Him. I think in this house right now there's a holy anointing for this body to be used of God in greater dimensions and greater degrees than we've ever known before. I believe each one of us represent whole communities of people that need to be reached by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's time for the sanctuary to set forward. It's time to make sure we pack up the ark, pack up the altar of incense, pack up the labor of water, the brazen altar, these seven golden candlesticks, these table of showbread. We got to get it outside of these walls. Pack it up. Don't handle it with fleshly hands or you'll die. Don't try to do this in the flesh or you'll get burned out and you'll be a casualty of war. You'll be one of those folks that people say, my goodness, they really were used of the Lord at one time. They used to be so anointed. I'll never forget how God used them at one time. That will not be me in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, the word of God, hallelujah, the word of God, defeat and destroy every attempt of the enemy right now. Every snare of the devil right now be destroyed and be defeated in the name of Jesus Christ. That will not be my family in the name of Jesus Christ. For the Lord goes before us and fights our battles in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time to pack it up. Get it outside the four walls. Get it outside of the box. Get it outside of the tabernacle. Hallelujah. It's time to move forward into a new land, into a new dimension. In the name of Jesus, it's time to see new people. Glory to God. It's time to open our doors and say, Come, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. But it's going to require people getting up under the burden of the altar and the ark and the table and the candlesticks. And I want to know if there is in this house somebody, a Kohathite in this house, a royal priest who's willing to stand to their feet and say, God, put my shoulder under the stave of prayer. Put my shoulder under the stave of devotion to your word. Put my shoulder, hallelujah. Hallelujah to the plow. I will not look back from whence I came. I'm going forward. Hallelujah. Everything I do is for the glory of God. For the glory of God. For the glory of God. For the glory of God, for the glory of God, for the glory of God. Oh, blessed be his name, blessed be his name, blessed be his name. One of the the greatest prophets that ever rose, the scripture tells us who it was, the greatest prophet was John the Baptist. 
John the Baptist was the greatest, but there arose no greater prophet than John the Baptist. Probably one of the greatest things he did was when he said, he must increase, I must decrease. Some of the greatest things you'll ever do in the kingdom is when you say, I don't need the credit and I don't need the limelight. And I don't need people to praise me for what just happened. I'm just going to do the work of God. I'm just going to do the work of God. Listen, I'm going to tell you, if it makes you feel any better, you have a reward in heaven waiting for you. I know you're not doing it for the reward. At least you, you don't need to be doing it for the reward. But listen, you have a reward in heaven waiting for you. Don't sacrifice that reward for the cheap reward of human approval and human affirmation that exists on this earth. Do all things for the glory of God. Can I get a witness in this house? Come on, somebody. There's a glorious burden to bear. There's a glorious burden to bear. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want somebody right now to come forward who wants a fresh anointing. I want somebody who needs a fresh anointing. I want you to come right now. In the name of Jesus. Say, God, I need a fresh anointing. I need a fresh touch. I need my pure perspective purified. I need my spirit sanctified. I need it in the name of Jesus. I need it right now. Hallelujah. I want to work for you. I want to do your bidding. I want to be a soul winner. I want to be a prayer warrior. I want to be a worshiper. I want you to rely on me, God. I want you to know that when you call, I will answer. I want you to know that when you lead, I will follow. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. That's it. It's a glorious burden. Come on, I want somebody who's tired, somebody who's weary. Come on, that's it. That's it. This is a glorious burden. This is a holy burden. This is a holy thing to do. These are holy matters you are handling. Handle them with prayer. Handle them with obedience. Handle them with humility. Handle them with submission to God. Handle them with dedication to His Word. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I will follow. I will go. I will Follow.